Sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself, you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around, pay attention. Maybe something isn't quite right. That voice is me. It's the voice of Gord. Welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. Been a little while. The content minds have been pretty quiet around here. Um, I've been very busy with my uh, personal life, my professional life, helping out my uh, family, my in-laws. There's lots happening and I've been very busy. So I want to start off by apologizing for not releasing a podcast for the last couple of weeks. Any y'all listening down under on the Australian On The Road Radio Network, don't blame Yogi or Mike. This is all my fault. I've been uh, I've been a little bit swamped over here in the north end of North America, but I've got plenty coming. I have four podcasts I'm sitting on that remain unedited, a whole bunch of writing work that's sitting in front of me, and no time to do any of it. it, it it's coming. I promise you. We have we have more stuff coming to Autonomous Truckers. We have plenty more podcasts, some really important guests coming up. I have a lot of stuff coming to you in the month of August. So I want to thank you for your patience. I'm so sorry I haven't got anything out to you recently. Today's episode's a real good one. Uh, as people here in North America know, the American uh, trucking market has been taking a bit of a wallop. Things are really slow. Companies are going out of business. We just saw the collapse of Yellow Freight. There's lots of small trucking companies selling off their trucks. Rates are in the toilet. Things are not looking good. Well, over and above all of this, we have an issue with scammers. Double brokering. Companies still bringing drivers here from other countries under indentured servitude arrangements. The suppression of rates. There's all kinds of bad stuff going on in the trucking market here. And I've assembled a group, a roundtable to discuss these issues in detail and recommend ways that you as a carrier, a driver, a broker, a shipper, to uh, ways to avoid falling into any of these scams or dealing with any of these scammers. So I won't hold you up any longer. You'll get intros to all my guests at the beginning of the show. So, so let's get to it. And again, thank you for being with autonomoustruckers.substack.com and with the voice of Gord. Any comments, send them my way, gordylocks at protonmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and you're going to be hearing lots from me in the next few weeks, man. I can't wait to get some of these shows to you. All right, let's get to it. G'day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. I'm Gord, and this is my voice. Got another roundtable here for you today with four other voices you're about to hear. And we're going to discuss a pretty important thing happening in the world of trucking and freight and logistics. Where I'm sure you guys have heard there's been lots of scammers out there and double brokering and crazy social media influencers trying to hustle money off the backs of hardworking truckers in America. And I've assembled a team to figure out exactly what's happening and to try and come up with solutions for it so that you, dear hardworking trucker, do not get scammed, nor your company, nor the legitimate good freight brokers which are out there. Joining me today 
Ms. Clarissa Hawes, senior investigative reporter with FreightWaves.com. Justin Martin, social media manager at FreightWaves.com. Mike Lombard of the Lombard Trucking Podcast, who's joining us live from the CDL Life Turning Point Summit in St. Louis, Missouri. And Mr. Paul Bernard Jaslowski of Freight Caviar, joining us live all the way from Poland. Everybody, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. I'm actually in Kansas City, but close. Oh, I'm so sorry. Kansas City. My, my apologies. <laughs> You're about 20 miles away from me. Yeah, come through. <laughs> right. So um, any of you who follow uh, Freight Twitter or Trucker Talk, I guess, which is the lingo for TikTok, will probably be very well acquainted with Mr. Lombard. He recently got in a pretty big fight with this weirdo freight broker, social media hustler named G-Face. T -t tell us how, t tell us what you know about this G-Face character, how this all got started, what he's doing, the scams he's running, and then we'll go to on to everybody else. Yeah, so ba basically what happened was I had a friend of mine, not related into the trucking industry at all. He's somebody I know from, from back home in the Northeast. He sent me this video. Of, of this guy of this guy g face and this is back in i want to say you know march april time frame and he goes is this true and it's and in the video it shows g face on a couch and he's and he has a gold money counter uh on on a table with like stacks of cash and he goes all this money right here this is clean money i don't deal with dirty no no money no more i went to you know i went to prison for that this is all clean money and so let me tell you about this trucking game. And he goes on and on. And then the first thing he says, he goes, if you got $20,000, you need to go ahead and get your MC. And he essentially explains the whole process of activating your authority, uh, get two trucks, hire drivers. And then he mentions also starting a brokerage. And in the video, and he also essentially describes the double brokering in that video as well. And so we started, so I got this video and in the comments, there's no comments from drivers on there at all. There's there's nothing. And that I found shocking because on, on TikTok, if you talk about anything trucking related, it shows up in driver algorithms. And this had none. This seemed to be in the algorithm of people who are who are focused on luxury cars and stuff like that. Cause he was it was people worshiping him. And so I and so I kept following it. And then I, I was like, this guy's a, a fraud. He's a scammer. He's one of those coarse guys. I was like, I, I can't. I can't let this fly because this is this is bad for the industry. Like the market is tanking, fuel prices are record high. I was like, this this is really bad. And so I had stitched a video where I essentially call this guy a fraud, explain why he's a fraud because he doesn't he doesn't mention this, he doesn't mention these parts of truck. Like he doesn't get into like the the, the nuts and bolts of, of trucking and like talk about details. He kind of just uh, talks about it from like a flashy manner. And so four months went by and he he never engaged with it. And then I went live on TikTok during an evening walk to promote healthy living over the road. And a, a kid, I engaged with a kid on there who was asking me questions and he went through my videos and saw it and he had been following Jeepface. And this is a kid who was interested in changing jobs in the trucking industry and thinking about becoming an owner operator. And so he he's like, oh my God, I've been following this guy for a while and I've been listening to what he's saying. So he tags Jeepface in the video. And then in a matter of minutes, Jeepface made posted his response and a whole bunch of people were in my dm saying hey gface responded to you 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 need to you need to go and then that's when me and justin we we started texting and we were going on in the group chat and we were and then and then that video just drops and justin quick quick on his fingers we we both screen recorded the whole thing because now according to gface he says that tiktok took it down when in reality he he 100 deleted it 
And, you know, and I, I, I would hope any, any of the listeners saw the video. If you didn't, essentially in the video, he's uh, he makes a mockery of me, you know, says I'm a fool uh, run, running around and stuff in my videos. He shows off his Lamborghini, a Maybach, a one and a half million dollar house, which, you know, I, I, one and a half million dollars in California clearly doesn't get you much. It's a tough house for, for one and a half million. And so he goes on and then he, you know, and he, so he brags about all the stuff he has. And then he willingly just says, and hell yeah, I double broker. Cause in my original video, I said, I say at the end, I was like, and he's double brokering. Like I, I specifically mentioned that and he goes, hell yeah, I double broker. And then, and then he doubles down and I teach all my clients to double broker. And then he talks about how he's double broker to me. He gets into detail. He goes, I've probably double brokered to you. He goes, he goes, I know you're hurting for freight rates are bad. He goes, call me. I'll get you from LA to Florida for seven. I'm going to skim off the top because I'm double brokering, but it's going to be a full load partial, you know, and you're going to go from LA to Florida and, you know, you'll probably get five grand, but I'm going to skip, skim a thousand off the top. And yeah. He, te- he says, and then he refers to his clients, people who buy into his consulting as, as you know, and, and he teaches them to do the same thing, to start brokerages as well as start their own carriers and essentially just do this whole game of, of double brokering. And then we went back and we, then we went back and forth and like I made a couple troll videos because he the thing is he didn't tag me but he made follow on videos where he keeps mentioning haters he goes the haters are gonna die me haters like this Lombard guy and he kept saying my name and I I'm not gonna lie it, it, fit, it like filled my ego like it's not, it not, it not good for me I was like man this guy I was like this I was like this like hot shot with chains and Lamborghinis like he's got my name on his mind and he he goes these haters like Lombard trucking specifically and I was like and I played right off of that and made and made some troll videos back and it's 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 been a lot of fun but boy did that video make its rounds especially on places like LinkedIn. Yeah. So you, you you're on TikTok I'm not whatever but you, you guys you you and Justin are sort of very social media savvy. Are there other people besides G Face like? that are doing this, take my course to get into trucking, take my course to get into brokering. Like how wide of widespread of a phenomenon is this? You want to take that mic or me? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I'll I'll just take it off, but it's, it's big. And I will say one thing, there is a guy out there who does, who helps a lot of former felons get back in. His name's boss man, Brewster. He's somebody who I've seen who actually like helps people trains them. Does what you does like, does what you kind of describe with like, training guys, teaching them how to, you know, use a grease gun and stuff like that really wants to get these guys in the industry to teach them, you know, a, a good, good work ethic. But other than that, there are a lot of people out there who, yeah, the, the um, there's set up your own dispatching cor- course, you know, you could dispatch them anywhere in the world, dispatchers, brokers, I'd say more so dispatching and brokering, whereas on the trucking side of things, that, ge- that, that game is kind of free out there. There's a podcast called Hall and Assets, where that where that entire process is mapped out, especially the underwriting of it. So in, but there still are people who will help you set up your MC, get all this stuff done. But it's really the brokerage and the dispatching side that I'd say that there's a lot of people selling this this course or something that you could do where you can essentially. But also, like from a trucking, not even just starting a trucking company. There's a lot of people who sell you how to start a trucking company where all you do is lease on owner operators. That's another one where you just hire contractors as opposed to actually buying trucks and hiring drivers. That is another predatory one too, where they want you to start a carrier authority and then you lease on guys because it's just another way of, you know, because you you contract the you negotiate a split of the gross of the 
of you know freight rates and it's just a way for you to get you know a stream of stream of revenue and there's this they're pitching this as trucking the trucking industry all of it as a form of passive income there's a lot of these people just go on youtube you can find them yeah that's the biggest scam i mean not the biggest scam there's a lot of scams but one of the scams that really got me intrigued when i started seeing instagram ads about automation where some some dude living in Miami who has all these fake followers and fake likes on Instagram is just selling you how to make money by just giving him money. And he puts a driver in there and you get passive income every month. I'm like, okay. like I, I saw those ads. I, I know. Exactly. I, yep. I know the exact I know, ads you're talking about. I know exactly so. what you're talking about because for me, like I grew up in South Florida and I know what the trucking market is down is like down there. And whenever I see ads for guys like that, I'm like, Oh, they are, so, we can curse on this, right? This is your, your podcast. I'm like, they are so full of shit. Um, yeah. They, Gord had a, a phrase I really liked: a rent-seeking behavior, and we see it everywhere in the trucking industry. And it's it's all guys that like if you just give me, you know, five figures of cash, I can turn that into you know, three figures a week into your checking account yep. forever. And it's it's never the case. Mm-hmm. What they're basically doing is it's like a combination of a Ponzi scheme, where they need more people coming in to pay off the people that they already have roped in because they're not bringing enough money in. You know, because the, the market's crashed. And that's kind of what's been so surprising to me is is with how bad the market is, you would think that like all of these scammers would get flushed out and then moved on to something else. But in fact, it's it's kind of been the opposite. The harder that the trucking yeah. market's been, the more we've we we see uh this kind of mm-hmm. behavior. I wonder I wonder if that what you're noticing, this um the refusal of the parasite to get off the host, even though mm-hmm. the host is clearly on the floor and bleeding out if that's like an indication that other potential hosts are also an equally bad footing which is to say the wider economy kind of sucks and there's nowhere else for these people to go except yeah. to double down on the scam yeah so, no, that's a good that's a good way of putting it so so yeah. i want to bring clarissa into this um just published uh, a new article on this today at freight waves about another type of scam where people impersonate your MC number or somehow get your information and then start posting loads as brokers with your MC number instead of their own. Uh, can you speak to this, Clarissa? Sure. I interviewed a couple that this had happened to them after they had updated their MCS or, or MCS 150 on FMCSA safer site. And, you know, they had gone in, updated the mileage and other things, um, that they were required to do. Um, and then um, after like a month or so later, um, they were alerted due, you know, that they're through a, like a, a site that monitors fraud activity that they were engaging in double brokering uh, behavior and not to do business with them. And, and, you know, and the, then a driver. So then they reached out and like, what? You know, they had no idea that their that their DOT number, their complete um, carrier profile had been stolen. And so they were, you know, trying to, you know, the drive. They said the driver was kind and in a strange way, um, they were grateful to him to alert them within a thirty day time period of this occurring of their identity being stolen. So you know, that they haven't heard from anybody else that may have been a victim of this, but, you know, that, you know, and so from the time they reported it, the the FMCSA has put in place um, because based on what they can find, and there really is no paper trail, 
because, um, you know, they what they figured out is that um, somebody requested, you know, a, a, a pin number, a new pin number saying that it was lost or they had forgotten it, but then submitted the paperwork, um, the, the new MC S-150 paperwork um, manually, either through the mail or by fax. And so that's how, and so uh, FMCSA employee entered the data, you know, updated it, but the the original company, there was no, you know, due diligence on, on why they were doing this just a month or so after they had, you know, legitimately done it. And, and then, um, you know, so, so, and so now that they're requiring, um, you know, like carriers that are wanting to update that are doing the the manual process to provide their CDL license to prove that they are the owner of this DOT number. But now it's the the fraudulent brokers have caught on to this. So now they're asking carriers who are doing this with the FMCSA now, they're asking um, carriers to provide their CDL number, you know, license as well. And they're uh, ripping off their DOT number that way and posting, you know, oh. you know, loads. So it's, um, you know, and, and so it's like a difficult situation. It seems like whatever safeguard it, that um, FMCSA tries to put in place, the, the scammers are way ahead of them yeah. and already yeah. moved on. So speaking of the FMCSA, you know, one of their, one of their mandates is to, you know, regulate, the trucking industry and increase its safety. At least that's something they talk about ad nauseum as uh, most of the rest of regulators do safety, safety, safety. We live in a world of safetyism these days. That's a whole nother podcast, but do, so is there a sense that like the FMCSA sort of like, do they get like how important this is? Like part of, part of like safety and compliance is cost. And it's a lot, it's very difficult to maintain, it's expensive to maintain trucks and equipment and pay decent drivers. So like when all this money is being skimmed off the top um, by scammers, double brokering, you know, these issues, that makes it more difficult for carriers to be in compliance and to actually operate safely. Like does the FMCSA make that connection at all? I think they're they're trying to, but it seems like, um, you know, that, I mean, some of these issues, I mean, the double brokering situation has been around, you know, since the beginning of trucking, if you talk to some original, you know, not to this level of sophistication, but that, that there's always been, this has always been an issue, but, you know, definitely the age of, um, online presence and all of that has ramped it to a new level. And so but I think the FMCSA, by the time they, you know, they hear, you know, get, you know, talk to all the stakeholders and, and involved and everybody wants something different. Nobody agrees on exactly what should happen. But by the time they get something in place, um, it's too late. You know, they're, they're already moved on, you know, to a new issue and and carriers are trying to keep up remain compliant you know and and it costs money for them to to do so and so they definitely want to prevent you know fraud from happening um but they just don't really you know no fmcsa has been their resource forever and it seems like they're 
you know, falling behind on some of these um, issues. The scammers know that this is like the scammers know that the government and carriers can never keep up with this stuff because they know that nothing gets accomplished when it comes to transportation legislation. And what's crazy is these scammers learned this from the cartels. You know, they, they, there were migrants found at the, you know, in San Antonio last year, the, the over 50 people who were in a sweltering hot trailer, that DOT number, you know, the cartels monitor trucks that go over, back and forth over the border. And they said, Oh, they know that year make model truck DOT number and they ghosted it. Now the scammers use technology to easily get away with it. And they know that nobody could keep up. Yeah. And I also wanted to add just because uh, my co-host in the podcast, Bob, he owns a trucking company out of Charlotte. He had the same situation where someone called him uh, in his in his office and he's like, like, you got to move your truck. Like your truck's like, you know, parked at like, like, like on someone's private property. And he's like, like, where's the truck? And it was like, I think in Greensboro, North Carolina. And he's like, Bob's like, that's not my truck. Like, I don't have a truck there. And he's like, well, your MC's on the on the the side of the door. He's like, come get it. And so like Bob, out of curiosity, he's like, all right, I'm gonna pull up. So he he drove. I think it was like a three hour driver, somewhat from from where he was at. And he gets there, and like, it's not his truck. It just has his MC on it. And uh, he ended up like the, the driver ended up coming and he, he was telling him that he found this job off a of Facebook ad a few weeks ago uh, and he hasn't even gotten paid from the company and the company like the guy that actually got on the job just went MIA. So he's not going to like so the driver got screwed uh, from a Facebook ad. He got the job and someone just de defrauded his MC and the guy just ended up making thousands of dollars in dipping. So like you have to be very careful. Truck drivers have to be very careful. Uh, before signing up to any trucking company because even on top of that you go to like any truck there's a lot of trucking companies that just like lie to drivers about rates they they, they steal from them so making sure that you're going to, like the right company is so important right yeah so so many so many problems that i see nowadays is is um people trying to interact with people that like they don't know um you know if, if i'm a driver and i'm looking at loads from load boards like i don't know who's on the other end of that line um but the guys that i talk to that are doing pretty well right now it's all guys that operate small stay in their small lanes they, they only talk with people that they trust mm -hmm. um they only deal with yep. people that refer them to, from people that they know yep. um so you relying on the government to try and fix any of this stuff is it's like trying to swat a fly with the titanic like it's just you know you're it's, it's an impossible task right and um pbj as i understand it in your capacity, so you've been you've been in the freight market and in logistics for how long now? Like you have, I think you have quite a history in the business. So I became a freight broker straight out of college in 2015, and I was brokering freight until like 2021. Then I started doing freight caviar and got away from the freight broker world. Right, and so so for people who may not know, and I doubt there's anybody who hasn't heard of freight caviar yet, can you give us a brief description of what freight caviar is all about? So freight caviar started just making memes uh freight freight memes uh freight broker memes specifically and kind of took off on instagram and then i decided to to go on linkedin and also twitter and uh after we the freight broker memes were doing well i decided to also introduce a newsletter and a podcast and so we we do uh kind of just news and entertainment uh we actually source a lot of information from freight waves uh just kind of like kind of give you like the snippet of what's going on in, in, the, in the industry uh, so we just trying to keep it lighthearted, but also informative and entertaining, uh, since we all know there's a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, 
stressful situations that occur in this industry that could be, uh, I guess you could create funny content just to kind of make it less stressful. I know a lot of people when you're, when they're working the freight broker jobs or being in the trucking industry, you're dealing with a lot of stressful situations and getting some humor out of that uh, just takes, I guess, some, some of the. Takes the, takes the edge off uh, a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. And, and speaking of stressful situations, I understand um, you're located in Poland. Uh, you yeah. took this, you took this job um, in the Ukraine for a little while. Yeah. But you're also operating kind of as a digital slash IRL vigilante of source, trying to chase <laughs> down, trying to so, chase down double brokers who are located near you in Eastern Europe. Maybe you can tell us some 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 stuff about that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty funny. I built up this audience on Instagram and like with Instagram, you can see the analytics demographics of your audience. And so the United States is number one at like 65%. So 65% of my audience lives in America. And then right after that is Armenia, Armenia. Like it's about 6% of my audience. And I knew this when I was a broker, um, like we wouldn't work, like we, we use care for all in one to basically to, cause there's a lot of bro double brokers calling in to get loads. And whenever you, you'd see on Kira for all one that last name ends in YAN, which is an Armenian last name. And this has nothing to do with racism or anything like that. Cause people have called me racist because of this, but it's like, I just wouldn't work with them because the ch chances are 80% of the time they're going to double broker the load. And this was before like the scams started like evolving. This was back like in 2019, 2018, 2020, where they were essentially just double brokering. I still don't want to double my load double not, brokered. Dude, it's not yeah. it's not racism. It's pattern recognition. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I just had this crazy idea. I'm like, well, I'm going to go visit Armenia. Like, like, let's see what's going on in Armenia because everyone seems to be double brokering from Armenia. And that's not to say that doesn't happen in Ukraine because in Ukraine there's also a lot of Landstar agencies that double broker loads. Uh, so... I mean, besides the fact that I ended up flying to Armenia in November of 2021, and I, I posted a story on my Instagram, and I, I just got flooded with DMs like, oh, you got to come visit our double brokering office. We'll show you everything. And, you know, I just got like all these DMs. And I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll just select one of one of these DMs. So I, I picked one, and I ended up meeting up with these two guys. And, you know, like, when you, when you get to meet these guys, like, they, well, first of all, like, one of them just came back from the war uh, against Azerbaijan. You know, they're really tough situation. Their parents probably make a couple hundred bucks a month. Really just like they're poor people, very poor. And but they're also very kind, like hospitable. When you go, if you if any of you were to go to Armenia, you'd realize that they're very hospitable people. If you go there, if you're a guest, they'll take care of you. The food's on them. Like I got picked up from the airport by double brokers. Um, and like so, you know, I got this kind of personal relationship with them. But so nonetheless. Uh, after about five hours of hanging out with them, just kind of talking, we I took my videographer with me. So we, we were recording interviews. We had all of this great content, really like understanding why there's so many double brokers in Armenia, like what they do. And the double brokers I worked with are the ones that weren't scamming people. They were actually paying the trucking companies. They literally had zero freight guards on their MC and they were like really like hesitant of taking me to the office because they didn't want to know which MC it was. And but nonetheless, after five hours, they're like, okay, Paul, we'll show you the office that, that you know we operate from. And it was it was in this old Soviet building. You walk in, it's actually so most of the the building was a university, like an Armenian university. And then there's just like they rented out like one room out of that university. It's like a, just like a Soviet building. I walk in, you walk into the building and it's literally it looks like a regular double brokering office. You have 
you have like the four time zones and four clocks on the wall. Everyone has three monitors. You know, they have DAT pulled up here, 411 pulled up. They have the phone number. Uh, they have the phone on their desk and everything seems like it'd just be a regular brokerage. Um, and then like, you know, I get to know some of them and they're like, yeah, like we have a relationship with TQL or we have a relationship with CH Robinson. And like, like, like the people that I talk to, they're like, they're just like young guys, like, you know, our age is kind of like, they, they seem so like normal. Like, you know, if they grew up in America, they'd be like one of us kind of thing. They just were born and raised in Armenia. And, and like, we ended up filming all this content. And then all of a sudden I'm like, after a few beers, I'm like, guys, do you mind if I go on Instagram live? Ended up going on Instagram live, which was the biggest mistake we made because five minutes after that, there were six dudes just stormed the building. And these were, you could just tell, like, these were not like people you want to hang around with. And the one of them started beating up the guy that brought us to the office, uh, screaming and yelling. They made me delete all my memes, making fun of double brokers from Armenia. And then they ended up taking us to a cafe and talking to us for five hours, saying that they're 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 better than brokers. They treat drivers better, yada, yada, yada. You know, like they, they literally they take this propaganda and they instill it in all these trainees and then the new hires they make. And literally these other brokers like they they're trained in the system where like brokers are bad double brokers actually are the good people they treat drivers better um even though like yeah like this was back in november of 2021 and like they were they were actually complaining to me about the the scammers that like don't pay the truck driver because they're like we pay every truck driver but you know i still don't know that how how true true it is but so i got in trouble um and it was definitely like one of the more frightening situations i've been in they ended up taking me to a cafe, buying me like fruit and I don't know, like drinks and stuff. But that was it was a five hour long conversation with them uh, about this stuff. So did you uh, get a sense? Did you get a sense of like how big <clears throat> how big their operation was, like how many loads they were moving a day so, or a week or whatever? So it's been like drastically expanding ever since it started. But like the, someone told me there's a double brokering office on every corner of Yerevan, the, 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 the capital. And what was, what was crazy was when I went into the, like, because they drove, they, they I went in their car in the back seat. The guy had a plastic bag filled with passports. So I don't know what, what, <laughs> oh exact, what that has to do, but he was like, let me, let me move that out of the way. And like, he just moves this plastic bag of passports. Uh, I, I, I mean, of passports. I made yeah. a joke the other day, like Lombard had a post on LinkedIn about double brokering and stuff. And I just, it, I don't know how I came up with this idea, but as a, as like a, just a joke, I said, here's how you solve double brokering. All brokers in America must have Twit cards. And like, I just said it as a joke, but then like, as you kind of like let it sink in, like it just makes more sense now. Like yeah. all of this would go away tomorrow if brokers had to have Twit cards. That, that, and, and you're, it's hundred percent true. I used to have a Twit card. I'm sure Lombard still has one. Like mm -hmm. you have to go and deal with a United States federal government agency at a port facility or at some contractor's office. You come fingerprints. They go through all of your uh, paperwork, your citizenship papers, your birth certificates, your all your ID. There's like multiple layers of checking. It's actually quite a process and takes a while. And that confirms that you are here in the United States. You are a transport worker. You are legit. You're actually doing the work and no such system exists for all these brokers or dispatch services who are all over the world. They're in the Ukraine, yeah. they're in Armenia, they're in Pakistan. And it's like, yep. you know, I, I want to, one of the reasons I brought all you guys here is like, I want to zoom out about this. And again, you know, uh, it's, it's not pattern recognition, bro. 
Um, but like, <laughs> there's this problem with, you know, and, and some sort of dissident thinking type people I follow describe it as America being used as an ATM. Yeah. Right? Like, there's people that just show up, they stick in a card, they take money, and then they leave. So that ATM uh, meme, as it were, takes on a few forms. Some of it's these double brokering offices and dispatch services. Some of it is like actually semi-legitimate. There are trucking companies who, for whatever reason, can't get people to do basic administrative stuff for them. So they hire somebody in the Philippines or somebody in Colombia, and they're like yeah. sending money that could be circulating in our economy out of the country. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and argue and be like, oh, that's bad. You should always hire Americans, although you probably should. But like the ATM part of it, like we have a problem right now in freight, in trucking. We're over capacity. You know, people can't make their payments. Companies are going out of business. Companies are selling their trucks. And these guys are like, I'm just going to sit in Armenia and take 200 bucks a load out of the pockets of the people actually doing the work. Yeah. And, you know far be it for me to be like all hyper nationalist or whatever, but like that, all that economic activity, the actual material reality happens here. The cost of living for the driver, the people that own the truck is here. It's not in Armenia. It's not in Colombia. It's not in the Philippines. It's not Pakistan. And the cost of living here is becoming astronomical. Then there's the devaluation of the dollar inflation of the cost of everything. And all of this money is like exiting the country for work being done by people in the country. Like it's no. it's just at some level it's wrong. Like it, it, am I wrong here? It's usury. It, it, it's what it is. It that, that's why I titled one of my podcast episodes that the U.S. supply chain has been compromised. Like in no other way, you know, this doesn't exist any anywhere else. Like it, it like. The, the industry, people's other countries, Europe's supply chains, I'm sure, are gatekept from, from this type of stuff and also aren't as robust and probably aren't as deregulated as it, as it is in the United States. I mean, it's just it's the American people are being defrauded. And I, and I used this reference where essentially like people didn't really notice it probably, you know, back in it started coming to light in 2019. But then there was a huge, huge spike and everything was going really great. So it was ignored. But now that the economy is so bad, it's like the water in Lake Mead. They're finding the bodies and the boats that, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that the mafia. Great so great the freight, yeah, the freight's dried up. So now you're starting to see all, all the like there's so many dead bodies around here. And they're like, oh, my God, what's go what's going on? Like you're seeing the only people winning. You know, we just had a hundred year old company. Now, granted, they made bad decisions. They had a hundred year old company go bankrupt. Like people, people who were doing very well, running very good businesses of 10 20 trucks are going bankrupt daily carriers you know go, filing for bankruptcy that were doing well having good books of clients and now they're being run, run off the road by these systems going on by like literal office spaces like i that's that if if i'm a u.s senator or congressman and i'm listening to the show right now and i hear that there are office buildings that are legitimately defrauding u.s businesses these are u.s manufacturers shippers uh, you know, not not just talking to, and and motor carriers who are being ripped off. I'm I'm literally ripping my hair out because that's to me that's a national security threat. Like that that that's what it sounds like overall. I'm just trying to imagine imagine like a a trucking company in Japan being defrauded by like a double broker in Germany with like a finance oh. office in uh, Pakistan somewhere. Like it just it well, swapping countries around just makes it sound completely foreign. But it's, as okay. long as it's like happening to countries in the U S by outside countries, it's like, okay, that's just the price of doing business. 
So funny enough, um, I heard from a broker, freight broker in Poland, he operates in the EU market, and he was telling me that there's a lot of uh, Polish double brokers in the EU market. They don't do the scams where they don't pay the trucking companies, but they just double broker. And they have their, their own load board. I forgot what it's called, but they have their own load board. And so it does actually happen in Poland as well. Um, and in the EU overall, maybe not the scams as, as, like, as such, but the double brokering from like a point of view where they'll sell it and then they'll just take like whatever, 200 euros off the load and resell it happens all the time here too. It plays, and I mentioned this too, and, and this isn't and kind of like, and this isn't racism either. This is patterns, but a lot of these old Soviet bloc countries are built, that's how some of their cultures are. Some of their cultures and politics is built off totally. of bribery, bribery, like bribing mm. people and paying yeah. people off and, and, and fraud is, is literally like that's business as usual. Like, so, so, like, so places like Armenia play old, yeah. old, old Soviet nations. Like that's just, that's just how their, their history's always been. They're like, well, that's how it's always been. So it's like them doing it to the U S is just like, it's really no, no, no sweat off their back. There's no conscience in it. Yeah. Right. And, and, well, and d doing business for a while. So Clarissa, I wanted to bring you in. You've been doing investigative journalism and trucking for how many years now? 16 years wow. i've covered the it's like this name same game scenario where i mean they've gotten smarter and and more tech savvy but kind of the same you know situation over and over again i keep wanting you know it, it to change you know like that this will be the time when you know it hits home and 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 actual changes are made but I have a, a a similar, not the same experience as Frank Caviar had, has had, but I posted a series um, highlighting some of the pra business practices of the Glendale gang is what they call him, or, yeah. uh, and the, the one of the founders, Steve Vetian, if that's how you pronounce it, I had a few conversations with him, you know, and I think I published my series in July of 2021 and where you know he just laughed at me you know kind of like he answered the phone and which I was really surprised and and we chatted a couple times for hours you know like and he was at first he denied that he was who he who I thought he was and said he was a different Steve and that he didn't have any you know ties to trucking or double brokering scheme mm -hmm. and that he didn't know he didn't know of them but he had no involvement but then when i lowballed the number um of of millions you know that um of dollars that he that his you know team had allegedly um you know double brokered you know from trucking companies um then he like totally outed himself and said no that is not correct it's no it's a much no much bigger number much bigger <laughs> yeah. number <laughs> and and so um he's like yeah you're, some people are saying a hundred million i can tell you it's four four or five hundred million you know and and so after my series ran um i started getting robocalls like just from different numbers it would just like ring and ring and ring you know like and then i would try to block that number and then it, i would start getting calls again and so wow. that went on for a while and but you know you know i definitely have you know i'm filing away different parts for another um 
series. It just, it, by the time you find all the paperwork that you need on one company, they've already shut that down and moved on, you know, and started another one. So it's like the constant, you know, try, you know, and I'm a one person band, you know, doing this. And, and so it's, you know, you know, on, you know, I am the investigative team at Freight Waves. And, and so it's, you know, I, all these stories that I, I want to, to finish that I need to finish, but something urgent, you know, gets in front of that one, but definitely, um, you know, that was one of the most interesting articles. And then I did have some former employees that shared the training videos on, you know, we want to bring in we want to, and, and the, the sad part of it is the fact that they prey upon their own people, you know, like they bring them over, you know, like maybe in their country, they make, um, you know, $350 a year driving a truck or something. And they bring them here with promises of, you can make, uh, you know, you know, four or $5,000 a month. And then they bring them over on visas and, and train them where originally they don't even know that this is wrong you know if the, if you learn this system and you don't know you work for another trucking company or a brokerage you don't know that this is not um correct and so you know the, 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 there's you know you know and some of these ex-employees that have left you know they still look over their shoulders because mm -hmm. um you know they fear retaliation and and you know, that, you know, who has talked, who, you know, and so, you know, it was, it, I mean, some were so brave to come forward and, but I still think that, you know, there's really no way out, you know, for some that came over thinking for a better life, wanting to support their family, send money back home and, and then found themselves in a position that they didn't realize it was, you know, it sold, they were sold a, a bill of goods that wasn't what it was, you know, you know, what they expected it to be. And then yeah, 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 that's a yeah. good that's a good phrase, Mike. It, it, it is, and there's there's programs that. So speaking of investigative journalism, there's an article I have shared a gazillion times now because I'm just aghast that nothing's been done of it, done because of it. In 2019, uh, Canada's biggest newspaper, our equivalent of the New York Times, uh, they're called the Globe and Mail. They did a deep dive, uh, female investigative reporter. And she was looking into these indentured servitude arrangements being used in the trucking industry in Canada. Uh, most of it was focused in Vancouver with guys from India. So uh, people in the Hindu and uh, Punjabi Sikh communities based in Vancouver. And they advertise in India. They have like billboards in India saying, you know, we will help you come to Canada and we'll get you jobs driving truck. And then we eventually bring the rest of your family over. It's a whole thing. This whole like India, Canada oh, yes. I migra followed it. migration thing is yeah. crazy. And so what ends up happening is these guys come to Vancouver. They get off the plane. They've never been to Canada. Even though English is a very dominant language in India, many of them still don't speak English because they come from some little village in the middle of nowhere. Nobody ever taught them English. They still don't speak English. They get to Canada. And the guy who brought them there has like an immigration consulting service. That immigration consulting service uses a program through the British Columbia provincial government to bring truck drivers because the BC government has been listening 
to the same garbage the ATA has been putting out, but up north about the driver shortage, which is baloney. We all know it's baloney, but the government still believes it. So these guys will bring in a driver from India. Well, they're not a driver. They're a peasant. They don't know how to drive yet. They come to Canada. So the guy that owns the immigration service, his cousin or brother, or maybe himself, owns a small truck driving school that does the bare minimum. It's like two weeks, get your BC class one, you're on the road. Does somebody learn English in two weeks? Does somebody learn how to navigate the Rocky Mountains in an 80,000 pound vehicle? Or worse yet, a super B train, because in Canada we have way heavier, longer trucks. And um, so this investigation takes place and it's been sitting there for four years. The feds have done nothing about it. Nothing. And what really annoys me is you'll get um, people like Justin Trudeau and other politicians. They're always going on about human trafficking, human trafficking. We have to stop human trafficking. This is the abuse of girls and young women and all that. And like a lot of that's true. I'm not denying that. But like, here is a story about humans being trafficked from India to Canada to work a very hard job. And then they can't get out of it because if they object or say, I don't know how to drive, how do you get to Toronto? You know, how do I put tire chains on my truck to go over the Rocky mountains in the winter? If they complain too much, the guy who brought them there just says, Hey dude, you can go back to India tomorrow. I'll just take your visa. What do you want to do? So there's these guys who are locked into these agreements and literally driving truck near as slaves in Canada. And there was another uh, article that came out through this other alternative media magazine in Canada a little while ago about how the Ontario provincial government wants to increase the number of immigrants, women, people of color, minorities, gender non-conforming people. Hey, y'all come get your truck li license and the Ontario government will pay for it for you. Right. And one of the counter examples they showed was that according to the statistics, 56% or was it 54? It was in the mid fifties of trucking companies based in Toronto are already owned by Punjabis. Like they've already taken over half the trucking business in Canada's biggest city. And it's the same in Vancouver. So the government's saying, well, we have to bring in more migrants and people of color and get all these people involved in the trucking business. Cause apparently there's a short, a shortage, not realizing that like the Indians are already way ahead of them, much like the scammers are always ahead of the government. Like the Indians are like, no, no, no we're just going to bring our own people in, pay them wages that are like in between Canada and India. The guys we brought over are happy. We're scamming and making tons of money and to hell with the locals. We're just going to take your industry. Thanks. And it suppresses the wages. That That's the thing. It's overall what it does is it's under the under the guise of trying to look as though they're welcoming diversity. And that's that's one of the coolest parts about trucking. It's like I love meeting people from all walks of life. I made a whole video about that. The people you meet and, you know, traveling the lower 48, you meet the real people who run this country. But it just, you know, all it really does is it suppresses wages so that way people can maximize their profit margins. And these same practices are going on at, at every U.S. port like this this form of indentured servitude with not so much Indians, but people from East Africa and East and other parts of Eastern Europe, the Chicago, you know, it's a, there's a stereotype of the Chicago based carrier. And I'm sure PBJ knows what a Chicago based carrier is. And those people are doing the same things. I had a gentleman on my show who was uh, abandoned by a, a Ukrainian uh, carrier owner who never paid him. And then eventually, uh, you know, the kid took the truck home and then the, the federal government seized the truck. 
because the guy left the country. Yeah, and it's not just the ports. I, I, I had no idea that I was stumbling upon this too. When I was in the postal service, I kind of noticed in um, 2019, 2020, I would see black and white Volvos at our um, sorting facility all the time. No markings, no DOT numbers, no nothing on them. They were basically just brand new Volvos straight off the line. It would be some like Russian dude in like his early 20s behind the wheel, terrified out of his mind, completely lost, had no idea where he was. He would like kind of grunt at me and like point on his phone, like, how do I get to this spot? And I'm like, oh man, you are. And so and I was I was mad because I thought that these guys were coming in on their own volition, wanting to like make make their money and and be truck drivers. I had no idea that many of these guys were like trafficked over here by like family members or you know, scumbag relatives that were basically lying to them. Um, other examples I've had, like I've I've had people reach out to me on TikTok saying that like in California, there's a huge um scam going on with like i haven't been able to verify any of this um cluster maybe if you want to like uh, find another gold nugget to dig for look into this um but they're telling me um that the dmv in california is just completely full of, of um these like punjabi uh, driver uh scams where they'll like they, they know a guy and they'll just rubber stamp their cdl and then put them right in the truck and away they go matthew crawford my favorite philosopher did an article on this I can't remember. It might have been Unheard or, or this UK-based magazine where he described how he had heard about these scams. And then there's other ones. with The California DMV is like totally compromised, right? Yeah. So the point of his article was that like, how do how do administrative functions work in a one-party state, right? Because the Republicans basically don't exist in California. And we've had all this trouble with COVID. And so the premise was... What 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 goes on when there's no accountability via the electoral political process and like one crew is running everything, and the, one of the most corrupt institutions within the California state government is the DMV, and so he has this motorbike that requires some kind of like clean bill of health for emissions because California has all these crazy emissions laws, and he goes to the DMV and sits in the parking lot and like you call some phone number. And a little Chinese lady comes along and like takes the registration for his bike, disappears, comes back and gives him like a legitimate emission certificate for his bike. But like he never did the testing. He never submitted anything, never took it to a shop. <laughs> and then he just drives away. And so he, he goes through this experience and then starts digging and finds out like certain DMVs have given out hundreds, hundreds of CDLs where nobody actually ever took a road test. Yeah, that just the yeah. guy shows up, shows, show, show, yeah, and like yeah. we're all going on about like road safety, and we want people to know what they're doing when they're driving a truck. And the California DMV is like handing out free CDLs like candy, and there's no accountability for it because the state's run by one party that clearly doesn't care. Yeah. And I have and friends of mine will say we need inboard facing cameras. We need speed limiters like friends of mine. Like, you know, I call them civilians at the at this point, like, you know, like they're because they're like non-veterans, <laughs> like friends of mine, they'll be like, just got cut. You know, they always call out when they get cut off. They're like, just got cut off by a truck driver. Just saw this. Just saw that happen. You, They definitely need cameras and they do it kind of to troll me, but they truly mean it because they're like, they're so bad. And it's just but meanwhile, I try and tell them, I'm like, you have no idea what like who's getting CDLs now. I was like, yeah. you don't know what's going on. They're like, that, that can't be true. There's a, there's a CDL school uh, in uh, Southern Arizona. They were featured by like their local news outlet. And you, you see this all the time where a uh, local EBC affiliate sends a 
junior producer out there to shoot some B-roll with a CDL school saying like, oh, this trucking school is is solving the truck driver shortage. And what what kind of you see you see like a dozen of these every week and like whatever, I just kind of ignore them. But this one in particular really kind of like set off my red red flag because they were taking people with zero uh, English language speaking ability and training them to get their CDLs. And I said, well, well and I, I blasted them. I, I went on Twitter and I, I called them up publicly, I tagged them, I said everything. It's like, guys, you have to be able to, to communicate in English in order to get a CDL in America. Like, what are you doing differently? And they're like, oh, we do like a two week uh, crash course on, on teaching them how to speak English. And I said, okay, you don't understand. Like barriers to entry are good and necessary. Well, why would you like, why would you in your right mind want your family on the road with anyone like this? And they kind of like, they had nothing to say with that. And like a different account of theirs came in and replied to me. And they said, well, we believe that anybody who wants their CDL from any country um, should go ahead and get one. And we're also bringing in, and this is what kind of like, I knew that they were lying to me on this because they said, we're bringing in truck drivers from other countries uh, to do this. And I was like, no, you're not. You're, t- you're like, Gordon, Gordon called it perfectly. You're, you're bringing in other countries' peasants here and making them truck drivers here. And a lot of it's like, you know, against their will. Um, and I, they gave me their phone number well, and, and I kind of left it at that. I really, I really, just- should, I really should have followed up on that. I, I don't believe many people are going against the role in America just because I know from people here in like Eastern Europe, everyone wants to go to America and like they'll go to America, even if it's like a shitty job being a truck driver and maybe like the, I guess the, the pay is worse than it is, but like everyone wants to go to America at the end of the day. Well, yeah. When I, when I say against their will, I'm, I'm saying they're, they're not giving like the full picture. They're, they're being yeah. told come to America cause you're going to be making X, Y, and Z. But sure. I promise you if they were told, if they were being, if they were honest with what they'd be making a lot less would want to come in the first place. Maybe. Maybe at the same time, getting to America is like the main, main obstacle. Once they get into America, they know they could, you know, maybe they could work there for a few years and then go somewhere else. But um, I know a truck driver that like he, he was a truck driver in I think Norway, but he was from Poland. And then he, when he he got a visa to become a truck driver for a Polish trucking company in Chicago, and I mean he loves it. He's posting all these videos, and he's a he's a great driver. He had he had experience through all like the the, the mountains in Norway and all that. So like he he came to the U.S. and he, I mean he's loving it. So yeah, when, when I was at the postal service, I worked with guys from like every corner of the globe that moved here, yeah. became American citizens, and then because you have to be to be a, a postal worker, but none of them were truck drivers in their home countries. They were they were you know doctors, lawyers, yeah, clerks, <laughs> you, you name it. I mean they yeah. they came from all walks of life. I never met a truck driver from overseas that came here and became another became a truck oh, driver. Okay. But the guy, but the guy PBJ knows just said like this guy was an experienced professional driven, yeah, no. driven in Europe. And it's like, yeah. that's the, that, like if I was to, I could never imagine what it would be like if I was to just show up in a place like Ukraine tomorrow and drive their trucks, even though I've been driving the U S to go to show up in Ukraine or Poland or Russia and to just dr- drive their trucks. Like, I, I don't know if I can, that's a high level of stress. I don't know if I can do and that's happening right now in the U.S. I went. To, I used yeah. to go. To, I used to go to Canada all the time, and I was like, you know, it was fine when you're in like Ontario because you know half the signs are in English and French. But when I went to Quebec for three days, everything's French. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've we've identified all these various problems. So we've got double brokers, double brokers in Armenia or wherever, foreign dispatch services. Um, People in Glendale and California, there's you know Chicago mafia, there's these indentured servitude arrangements. Um, the FMCSA is behind the ball. Maybe they're doing something, maybe they aren't. 
what let's 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 talk solutions for the uh, end of the show here. What could we do? What advice could we give to carriers, brokers, truckers, you know, shippers? How do we how do we make suggestions that prevent people from getting tied up with these dodgy operators? What are questions they could ask when dealing with somebody on the phone? What are things they could look for when they're looking online besides just an MC number? Like what are things, what are practical things people can do to avoid these scams and to sort of like put them out of business by not using them? Do I know this person? Have I worked with them in the past? Have anyone that I had direct relationships with used this person as well? If you can't answer yes to all three of those questions, lose my number. And I, I think as well is that, you know, oftentimes the drivers, you know, are, you know, running their operations from behind the wheel, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have a home off, you know, some have, have somebody, you know, that's handling, um, you know, as it, I'm look, thinking more about the owner operators, they may have somebody at home um, that, you know, is running the day to day booking loads, you know, doing kind of the due diligence that needs to happen. But if you're, you know, a one truck operator and doing this from the road, you can have as many, um, you know, of these apps spend thousands of dollars on all these um, different, you know, protection safeguards or, but still, um, you know, they, they, you know, are trying to do this, you know, after driving and, and calling around. And, and so then people are like, well, how, how did they fall for this? But, you know, it's, you know, it's it, a lot of stress in just driving and then, you know, like running your business, you know, from your cab and, and, and everything. And so, you know, there has to be a, some kind of unified system that makes it easier instead of having to subscribe to all these different services, you know, that, you know, a lot of them get the free option, but, you know, they could see more information about a carrier if they update or or a broker, if they upgrade to a different one. Um, And so, you know, they're trying to, you know, cover their bases, but, you know, they're, they're still falling through a lot of it's falling through the cracks and they're, they're becoming targets. Yeah. Like what I would add to that is um, for any driver listening, like if it's too good to be true on a rate, like mm-hmm. it's too good to be true. Like there's so many scams going on where like a driver or dispatcher is like, oh, well, I booked this load for $5,500. And then it turns out like, you know, it's a scammer that will, was never planning on paying them. So they obviously threw any rate to, to get them on the load. Uh, and like, so just be, be mindful of that. And then always look at email addresses to make sure that they actually, the endings of the email addresses actually are the, the main websites of uh, the brokerage. Uh, just because nowadays they're they're you know if it's if it's ABC Brokerage dot uh, com is like the official email address and they'll do ABC Brokerages dot com or ABC Brokerage dot net. Just make sure that the ending of the email address is always uh, the correct email address ending, and you could check that out, I think on FMCSA or Carrier Phone One. Uh, and then uh, you know don't trust anyone until they've proven themselves. So if you're working with someone new do all your due diligence, phone number, check, email, check. And then, you know, once maybe they've proven themselves, you could kind of, uh, you know, not really have to uh, double check again on them. Well, you should still be double checking, but overall uh, uh, those are just a few pointers I would have. Yeah. I think when it comes to fixing this issue, you know, it's funny going back to your article from a few years ago, 
uh, Calista, where you talk about the the all state solutions. You mentioned in there how the DAT, uh, a representative from the DAT load board, said that they take this issue very seriously. Now, you 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 wrote this article. I believe the date was June eighteenth, twenty twenty one. And clearly, so the FMCSA, they don't care because they're not doing anything and they're just unelected lawyers who only listen to DATA and whoever has money. Um, and But even DAT, like DAT doesn't take this issue seriously because you have a company like Truck Smarter that's already vetting carriers and vetting who they let on their platform. And they've been a load board for, you know, a cup of coffee. So DAT doesn't care at all. Anyway, so the I think that the number one thing, especially carriers, can do to solve this, and I'm parroting, you know, a friend of the show, Reed, who who is who has lost freight, is yet leaning on your relationships. If you've been a carrier for, say, you've been a carrier for five years, ten years, um, you've you've probably met a bunch of brokers. Who'd you have good experiences with? lean on those people like those relationships the shippers you dealt with like it's gonna it's gonna come down to it it's a grassroots effort to 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 really start to start any sort of change it's it's got to start at the at the grassroots level of you the carrier um kind of having to vet, vet these for yourself too good to be true like because that's the thing there are too good to be trues out there i've seen them you know you know especially when i was running heavy off the spot last year and it's just it, you, yeah, you, you have to be mindful. Yeah, you have to read the emails. That, that That's the thing. Just like because these phishing scams are attack, attack corporate offices a lot. My wife at her job is always getting the don't open this email. Don't like the warnings of, you know, and they do. They, they'll change the rhetoric around. They'll switch two letters of the company name. All those little things. It's It takes an eagle eye. So like if you are like if you're not if you're going to be booked, if you're a carrier and you're looking for your next load or anything, be parked, be pulled over and be in the right state of mind. Uh, to be doing this don't i know you want to just run and gun and you need that next load because you want to feed your family but it's just you know it could it could wind up in a disaster hey, i got a yeah. question i got a question um I, I i don't know if you you guys are the right folks to ask but i'm gonna ask it anyway because you know i think i'm older than everybody here i remember i'm just gonna share an anecdote i was at a uh a steel warehouse in detroit a long time ago unloading a load of coils Big warehouse, lots of different trucking companies coming and going. And this guy showed up as a representative for a carrier, had their jacket, their hat on, business cards, just wanted to check in. He's like, hey, how's it going? How's business? You know, um, we brought you guys a few loads last week. You know, how's truck turnaround going? Like, just talk to the guys that own the warehouse. Like, we're all standing around at the office. The drivers were all waiting to get unloaded. And this guy came in and shot the breeze and he was legit. Like he was a traveling, not a salesman, but like a, a representative of an actual carrier who went and met the facility that his trucks were going to and met with the guy that's handling his customer's steel. Right. Like I, I know it might sound quaint, but in this day of like everything's digital, everything's done on the phone or via the internet, like are, are there still carriers and brokers who have human reps that actually travel around and yes. do that because like yeah. if you if you meet a representative that's an actual person that's like you can attach to this name on the computer and someone that's actually dealing you know like the, the human touch as it were uh, mm -hmm. like how 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 practical is it to request more of that out of the people you're dealing with rather than having to go through all this you know digital eagle eye watching 
No, it's, it's amazing. I, I actually, it's funny you bring this up uh, because back in April, me and my co-host of the podcast, we actually ended up going, he's got a trucking company in North Carolina and he was trying to get away from brokerages and he, he's in an like industrial area. His office is at, and he's got shippers all around him. And we're like, let's just go, let's just start walking to these shippers and, you know, giving your business card and just seeing if they need help. And we went to five shippers and two of them gave them like, we started a conversation and they're like, okay, here, here's my email. Here's my phone number, you know, tell me more about what you do and maybe we could line something up. And so if anyone would want to do that, just have a business card and have like some kind of pamphlet where like it gives you kind of like information about your company. What are you kind of specializing in? What kind of lanes would you run? How many trailers and trucks do you have? But it's very powerful uh, because that person, personal, uh, I guess, like a factor just going there, uh, as a lot, you know, it's like when, when you're doing business with anyone, meeting in person is is vital or it, it just helps helps a lot. So definitely I think it's it's great to do. And I think uh ever since COVID, people kind of forgot to do that, but uh people should definitely uh look into it. Right. Yeah, that that the the thing you said about the work uniform, that's gonna be interesting to me, is is that, that I think will be like a next new scam. We were always told like when I was at the post office, like, do not throw away your uniforms. If if you have one, you're not gonna use it anymore, burn it. Um, because you have guys that will, you, as a civilian, you cannot go online and buy a postal uniform. You have to like use a government credit card and go through like a whole process and everything. Um, so when I quit the post office, I donated all of my uniforms back to my office. So like new guys could, could wear them. Um, and I, I think that's going to be like a, a big scam is guys wearing uniforms for trying to represent company xyz and saying hey you know we'll, we'll take your loads here you know here's my business card and then boom now they're <laughs> double brokered <laughs> right something else i wanted to touch on briefly um getting back to something mike said and our friend reed you know about having information and you know ha having a good website so i want to take it from like us vetting brokers and shippers vetting brokers and then turning around back to vetting carriers mm. so, something reed mentioned that's really very important is like having a website and having all this information available so like mm -hmm. if you've got like current pictures of your equipment what kind of trucks and trailers you have advertise yeah. the lanes advertise the specialization what um markets you service and you know something i mentioned in the chat that i think is an interesting phenomenon that could apply to trucking is you go to a coffee shop, right? You go to sort of one of these kind of like, you know, lefty progressive fancy coffee shops, not necessarily Starbucks, but a lot of your local independent ones. And they're all about like, here's pictures of the farmers that grow our coffee beans. And this is the fair trade practice arrangement we have with them. And they really pump that stuff up. And their customers eat it up like, yeah, man, I'm getting this awesome shade grown coffee from Guatemala. And I I can see a picture of the guy who grew it. And like they feel this connection like do that with truck drivers, man. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a carrier, you should have a bunch of driver profiles. Hey, you know, this this is Justin. He's worked for us for 15 years. He's got no tickets. He's never been in an accident. You know, his dad was a farmer whatever and just have like driver profiles and like have a human connection to this so it's not just like a name on a load board you know it's some guy's mc number you have to chase down like actually see the people who are hauling your freight and then that way you can sort of like help eliminate the you know 
all the people we know and love driving around in beat up Volvos with fairings hanging off and Illinois license plates and the driver may or may not speak English and may or may not be here legally. Like we can eliminate some of that stuff by like going to, you know, lefty coffee shop model of having profiles of the people doing the work. Like I'm on, I'm on the freight waves website right now. And, you know, not saying freight waves is illegitimate, but I mean, you can go, I can go to your about us and, there's a profile about Calaris. So if I'm curious, so if I'm skeptical of Freight Waves media reporting, if I think they're saying anything that's fake news or they're uncredentialed, oh, I can go here and I can read Greg Miller's profile. Oh my God, he he's done this. He he went to Cornell. I can find Rachel Premack's whole bio, what she's done. I can find an excerpt like, oh, okay. So these guys are credentialed journalists. So it's just yeah, carriers, carriers need marketing. Marketing can help win this. So a really, a really good company to like help with that is uh, OTR Solutions. They were a sponsor of ours when I had the podcast for Back the Truck Up. And um, yeah, if you're like a small wannabe uh, carrier operation and you want to be able to like have like a full website and like a professional email address and and all that stuff, they take care of all that for you. Um, and I wish I wish more guys knew about that because. Um, if I had known that when I was, so I was on the road long enough that like, I, I kind of knew the ins and outs of trucking, but I also never wanted to like have to deal with all the hassles of being an owner operator. Um, and had I known that like a company like OTR solutions existed, I probably would have like bought a truck and like let them do all the heavy lifting and just let me focus on driving and, and keeping the wheels profit turning profitably. Um, and looks, uh, looks, to, to that point, uh, oh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, to that point, so um, I was watching a video from from someone that posted on LinkedIn and he was saying that uh, he went to a conference in L.A. and everyone recognized him because he, he posts a lot of stuff on, on LinkedIn, not in logistics related, but uh, overall, he's saying that most of his business comes just because people know him. They come up to him and uh, because they, they recognize his face from his posts. And I have the same way where a lot of our sponsors for Freight Caviar I mean, they recognize me at a, at a conference and they walk up to me and then we get the ball rolling on, on a potential sponsorship. And funny enough, actually, OTR Solutions is now a sponsor of ours. And uh, Grace from OTR walked up to me at TIA and uh, that's how we got the ball rolling. And the same same thing would go for for finding a shipper. If you're a trucking company and you, you want to potentially get shippers or even brokerages attention, you, you got to post content. Everyone's scrolling and whether it's TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, if you if you get your name out there and you have some kind of brand recognition, uh, it's a lot easier to win business. Uh, so definitely definitely focus on that. Yeah, that'd be good. That would be a good link in the chain to like connect. Like if they have clients of theirs that are carriers or drivers or whatever, and they have like the shippers that they want to use, have them like say like, "Hey, shippers, these are our drivers you're using. Go ahead and uh, put their put their names and faces on uh, on your website." But in, so. in in the meantime, though, and, and this and this is truth for because there is. There is a job and there's work that needs to be done at the at the at the government level, especially in the congressional level. And, be, you know, becoming a member of an organization like CDL Drivers Unlimited, we are in contact with members of Congress on the Transportation Committee um, include, and, you know, we're in contact with people like Senator Ted Cruz and people on his staff and the 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 consistency. The only way to get things done in Washington is to get organized and be consistent. That's the only way because the government, we all know it moves slow. 
They're not as they're not as robust and they're not as limber as, you know, a a small business could be or as, you know, people (laughs) like us, us can be. And to to consistently stay organized and really and and show involvement, because, you know, anytime you talk to a politician, they will all say and all admit they like they like hearing from constituents. It kind of humanizes them, I think. This is what I think is that, you know, politicians, we sometimes think of as robots. Um, but like when they, they genuinely enjoy listening to real constituents and when it's an organization, that's not just some lobbying firm, like the ATA, they, they enjoy that. And if a consistent organization can really beat down their doors and drums on these things, eventually some things will change. It just needs, you just need to stay, stay, you know, stay, stay in constant contact with them and and not give up. You have to basically not give up doing this, whether or not, you know, like, you know, PBJ, you're, you're not, you know, necessarily working as a freight broker, but you're still in on, you know, you're still in on this, like you're still in on this fight. So no matter where you're going, mm-hmm. you know, Gord, wherever you happen to go professionally, like it's just the managing of staying consistent, being in on this and keeping the conversation going, especially with branding and stuff like that. And then good German journalism, like what Clarissa's has got going on, that consistency, mm-hmm. I think will end up winning out. All right. So uh, are we, are we getting close to wrapping up here? Have we solved all the problems? I just had one question for Carissa. Like, well, a lot of these um, scammers, or, or like, like the, the Glendale gang guys, you know, is it the fact that it's so easy to open up a business that makes them able to operate? Like, how do we, how do we make it so difficult to like close one operation down and pop up a new one overnight to stop that scam from happening, but also not grind the rest of the economy to a screeching halt? I don't know, and I think. <laughs> Whoever can figure it out um, is, you know, is way smarter than than I than I am. But you know, when you have a network that's buying and selling MC numbers, you know, like or CDL licenses of people that maybe go back to um, Armenia, Ukraine, um, Serbia, you know, there's a there's a whole um, other you know thing things at play where um, you know that they you know have you know, for years when DAT was like starting to crack down on, on, you know, on companies or the bad actors that were posting um, loads that, you know, then there was this, this, you know, black market of, um, you know, of, Hey, I'll buy your, can I buy your MC number for 200 bucks or 2000 bucks? And, and so it, you know, that, that was happening and and the fact that um you know what they do is um you know they have their own you know i you know some of their ex employees say they have their own load board that that understand their system mm-hmm. you know that they have the ins and outs among players in these larger load you know boards that you know which is how they are remain you know active on 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 there and you know that that they have set up this training system and and that you know that where they are still making money but yeah and but it's at the detriment of you know a lot of good carriers out there that want to you know that get screwed and they're like hey you know players going to play i'm going to keep you know doing this until somebody stops me but i always think that the irs could have a big hand in stopping this by looking at the ucc liens on on these companies that that's kind of um you know they are active for a year and 
That's what I'm wondering. Like, oh, what le- what sorry. level of fraud does this thing have to like balloon up to before like the the eye of the government like starts to notice? Like, I'm looking at like all these you know web web lines connected and everything, and I'm thinking Rico. Why have they not had like a why has not why hasn't the FBI stepped in with a big fat Rico case and just closed these guys down yesterday? I had um, an incident and it's been maybe two years ago with a driver that was that came over from Russia and um, started working for a Ukrainian um, company here in the U.S. And, um, you know, and he was he ended up well, they were they paid for his, you know, all of the training. um, They put him up in an apartment. They provided, you know, him a housing. But um, but it was all deducted from his pay. So, you know, that he wasn't earning anything. So he drove, he, at the time it was an auto hauler. He was working like, you know, doing hotshot, you know, auto hauls. And, and so he drove his um, 350 ton pickup truck with a, you know, a, a GMC SUV onto Trump Tower's um, hotel in in chicago with help you know you know this company or i don't even remember the exact wordage but it was like this company is is bad and you know like they are they are a bad company and and thinking that would get the attention of, of the fbi of um you know all these different agencies but you know nobody wants to take the ball i've talked to I have sources at the FBI that know are aware of this, but it's just, you know, the money is going out of the country at such a fast that they can't track. They don't have the resources to track it back. The See, IRS, that, I have the, sources there that said the same thing. FMCSA, you know, is the regulatory um, agency, but yet, you know, they can put rule and regs in place, but as far as the enforcement, they can, you know, maybe you know, shut down a carrier, but it takes years, you know, like a building an investigation before that even occurs. And and so at all levels, everybody wants somebody else to take the lead on this. And that, that that's what's so crazy to me is like the way that like a lot of these um op- these um organizations operate is like that's how you build your career. Is like you have a nice big fat juicy case where you say, I was the one who like built the case and took down mob boss xyz like if you if you're i have no idea how many fbi agents are going to be listening to this but if you're an fbi agent and you never want to buy another beer for the rest of your life take down one of these organizing organized crime rings and every truck driver in the u.s will you'll, you'll never you'll never pay for another beer ever but <laughs> every every truck every truck driver will pick up the tab for you the fmcsa needs to step in with uh you know like i said somebody need, actually like i i this all, all of this this episode needs to get in front of them because the FMCSA needs to realize that this is the true this is the true issue of safety and that there needs to be barriers to entry and that they can't continue to to lower the barriers to entry in, into this down, down to the level of how CDLs are given out because if you you know just the fact that the idea of toying around eighteen year olds going interstate and all all this stuff every everything everything that we that Gord harps on on this show and that we all talk about. The FMCSA needs to start implementing barriers to entry. Even something something as a, a hammer, like brokers getting a Twit card, mm-hmm. it ends tomorrow. Yeah, That's well, it. the, the problem with the FMCSA and the rest of the government and the other people involved in administering this industry is that they they believe their own lies. They believe in the driver shortage narrative. They believe that you know um, 
you can't export drivers jobs and everybody else's wages have gone down and, and industries have been shipped overseas and we can't do that with trucking. So we have to chip away at it via other means. It's all unstated, but you can see it and how they act. And until that changes, like who knows, we're just throwing things against the wall. But um, yeah, I want to wrap this up. And my, my final parting thought on this is, um, you know, they have the buy American campaigns that have been around since forever, you know, buy us built this and American built that I say ship American um, do, do your due diligence, find out how long a company has been operating in the United States. I don't care if they're immigrants to, from other countries, but if they've been here a long time, they got their citizenship or a green card like I have, and they're here and they are for building something up in the United States and helping the American economy that will come through in how they operate in the aesthetic they put off the kind of equipment they run. They have a website. They're proud of what they do. They'll, they'll be, they'll have no problem meeting you in person. So ship American um, Mike Lombard, uh, where can people find you? Hey, you, you guys can find me everywhere, running around, acting a fool, crazy myself, <laughs> doing push-ups in front of doing push-ups in front of my truck uh, at Lombard Trucking. Uh, and also, if you're ever if you're ever interested in turning around, you know your health and fitness. I work as an advisor on the First Form app. You know, go ahead and, da- and download that, and I can help coach you on you know get getting healthy. But you can find me everywhere at Lombard Trucking. All right, uh, Paul Bernard Jaroslavsky. How do people find you, sir? uh you can follow us on instagram twitter linkedin all at freight caviar uh also youtube freight caviar we have a podcast that comes out every week and then um subscribe to our newsletter monday wednesday friday we come out with the latest freight broker news and entertainment and that's all right all right clarissa hawes you can find me at freightwaves.com it's c hawes at freightwaves.com and on x or twitter at um cage underscore writer um so you can find me there as well and i'm on linkedin and where else wherever you know like yes i'm always looking for leads and some people i can help some people i'm working on helping or trying to help um but yes um, that's where you can find me justin martin Super Trucker. <laughs> exactly. You can find me on Twitter at Super Trucker. I promise the name is ironic. Um, no better work than <laughs> any other steering wheel holder out there. Um, I'm always jealous of Freight Caviar. That is such a great branding name, man. <laughs> I think I mentioned that before. Thanks, Justin. Um, and then also, uh, I run the uh, What the Truck Twitter at FW What the Truck. Same for uh, TikTok as well. All right. Um, thank you, everybody, for bringing your expertise and for donating your time to this little project. Uh, I really appreciate it. Solutions abound if we're willing to discuss the problem. And again, thank you all very much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Gord. All right. Way of the road.